morning. Had a chance uh, yesterday to sit down uh, with uh, uh, my son and daughters. I hadn't had a chance to sit down with all of them for some time. They're all scattered here and there, and, and it was cool to sit down. And uh, Mark was making small talk with me, and he said there's this video he'd just seen, and it was really funny, and it reminded him when we lived in California. California birthday parties always had a pinata, and there's this video. So I, I'm, I want to show it to you here. Hopefully it'll, it'll pop right up. It's, it's the guy at the end that makes the whole thing funny for me. Uh, you know, the, the kids all run in and they dive for the candy or there's going to be like six dental surgeries scheduled the next day. And, and you just came this close to dodging something awful. Well, I've been doing this series of sermons about uh, how we're blind, how we don't see our own sin. There's something about us that we don't. I'm indebted to Paul David Tripp for that idea. Uh, it was something mentioned in one of his books, and then in the marriage seminar a couple weeks ago, we were watching a Paul David Tripp video, and, and he mentions it there. And it's just been turning around in my head, and it's been, uh, I, I'm not trying to say a, a pun with that, but it has been eye-opening to me. It's been something that's really uh, made me think real hard, this notion that, that we just don't see our own sin. You're out there swinging around, doing the best you can, and people are dodging you, but, but you don't even know you're doing it. it. The pinata thing was a good illustration of that to me. I got into a a little bit of a debate with somebody this week, and it wasn't heated, but but we were we were kind of going back and forth on something, and 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 uh, and it wasn't Julia, but she said something about uh, uh, you know her point, and I thought she was kind of being sarcastic, kind of putting me down a little bit with how she was answering part of it, and kind of just a, just a little bit of a of a put down to her voice there. I thought, and I'm, I've been studying this thing, and I thought, you know, I bet she's completely unaware of how she's coming off. She doesn't see her own sin. Well, what's ironic with me thinking that, right? Right? Even when you're doing it, you're still ignoring that you could be doing something. It never occurred to me that I could also be contributing something to this. It's very easy for me to see what they're doing wrong. It's very hard for me to see what I'm doing wrong. And, uh, and Jesus talked about that. There's a, a verse in uh, Matthew where he's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about the religious leaders, and he tells his disciples to leave them. He says they're blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, they'll both go into a pit. And so the danger for me, for Jeff, if, if I'm struggling with this thing, if I don't see my own sin, then it'd be very easy for me to lead you in a way that you don't see something too. If I'm blind to it, it'd be very easy for me to lead you in a way that could, could, could hurt you there, and I don't want that to happen. And it would also be very possible for me to lead in such a way that I don't see what I'm doing wrong. I wonder why I'm not communicating, or I wonder why something's not coming off like I want it to come off, and, and not be able to see my own issues, my own sin that I bring into this thing. So what we talked about, and this was the last slide I used last week, this is an outline of thought, is if we want to see better, there's certain things as Christians that ought to be regular habits for us. Now, these are regular habits for me, and I'm hoping that at the end of this uh, sermon series that some of you will adopt this and make this regular habits for yourself as well. I want to tell you this is what Christians do. If you're not doing these things, then at some level you are an immature Christian. I mean, none of us like to think of ourselves that way. But like I said, we, we're blind to our own stuff. All of us, we don't see it. And this is what mature Christians do. This has is, this is historically been what mature Christians do. So what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks is how we should learn to feed ourselves. That's this week. And, and what I mean by that is, is taking God's Word in, being able to understand God's Word. Sometimes in a church, somebody will come to me and say that they're leaving this church or 
or maybe they're coming to this church because of the last church, they'll say, I wasn't getting fed there, or I'm not getting fed here, so I'm going to have to leave. And, and what I'm hoping, just for you guys who attend and for anybody who's, who's watching online, I would like to eliminate that from your vocabulary. Uh, you never want to rely on someone else for your food. Uh, you need to learn to feed yourself. And part of being a Christian is taking some time every day just to take God's Word in, to try to understand it better, to know what He's trying to communicate to us. Over the next couple weeks after this week, we're also going to look at this idea of building relationships. Again, my notion on that is not... um, trying to pad numbers for Sunday school or trying to pad numbers for small groups. But it's this idea that if you can just get a second set of eyes on it. Now, if you're into carpentry or, or if you're into coaching, if you're into uh, really anything that requires a plan, uh, you know that having a second set of eyes come in on something can make all the difference in the world. Just one other vantage point. Sometimes they'll see something that you missed, and, and it's just because we all miss things. Well, that's the same idea with this. When you build other relationships and, and with other Christians, it's a second set of eyes on your life. And I know in America, we kind of resist that sort of thing. We like to be self-reliant. We like to be completely independent. But the Christian life was not intended to be lived that way. And I don't think you need to open the wagon for everybody to look at. I don't think that. But having one or two or three close friends who you do life with, and as Christians, you're trying to move forward together, this is what mature Christians do. And we'll talk about that some next week. And then the third week, I want to talk about this idea of leveraging your resources. It just means whatever God has given you, you learn to use that for the benefit of other people. And again, though it benefits the other people, it benefits you too. One thing I've noticed, actually all my my Christian life since I've been in church, is that if you ask somebody to teach younger people, younger kids, even if they're not really a good teacher, it is common for somebody who does that to say, I got more out of doing that than they did. I got more out of preparing for it than they did. Even on, on things you wouldn't necessarily call a spiritual thing. We, we have an older fellow in our church who's pretty good with woodworking, and he made a desk. The desk that's downstairs in the, in the kids' wing there where you check the kids in. That was a homemade desk that somebody made for us. And, and he said that. I got more out of making this than I'm sure they got out of using it. And, and that's how it works. And it was Jesus that said that. It's more blessed to give than receive. And there's something about learning to leverage your resources that does something to your own heart. And so we're going to talk about that too. And all these things go to having a better vision for yourself and a better vision for for this world. But today we're going to look at that first one, learning how to feed yourself. And I'm going to focus primarily on on Psalm chapter 1, which is an easy one to. So if you want to follow along on your phone or your Bibles, you can, or I have it here on the screen behind me. We're just going to look at three verses. In Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1, Jesus, or uh, David probably, David says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or, or, or sit in the company of mockers. And all these words are important, and they're all suggestive. And sometimes in English you can miss a little bit of this, but it, it's, it's, it's obvious if, you, if you're better at the Hebrew stuff. And, and so just real fast, when it says walk with, it's the idea of you're kind of walking past you're not really paying attention to it. You're not really focused on it. You're just kind of walking that direction. And wicked, even though in English we would think that's the very worst sort of person, in the Hebrew it's a little lighter than that. It's somebody who made a mistake. They're not, they're not, they're not a bad person necessarily. They, just, they made a mistake. You're on a diet and you're walking past the donuts and the next thing you know you have one in your hand and you didn't plan for that to happen 
It just did, right? You were, you were planning to be on the diet, but then here's this donut. How'd that get there? And, and you don't even know what happened. And that's what this idea of you're walking past, you're minding your own business, you're trying to do the right thing, but you have a momentary lapse of judgment there, momentary problem. person you're working on their anger, maybe. They're, they don't intend to be mad. They don't intend to be angry. They don't intend to be frustrated. But, 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 but for whatever reason, their spouse made a, a certain comment or their kid said something or their coworker just came a little off tone. And before you know it, you're ticked off and you're getting this huge argument. You didn't plan to do it. You're trying to get better about it, but it just happened. That's what that first a little phrase there. You don't walk in the step with the wicked. The second phrase is a little more evocative. Instead of walking past, now you're standing there. You're not just walking past, you're, you're kind of in the moment, you know. You, you don't just head that direction, you're, you're enjoying it. And, and this idea of sinners is not somebody who just made a mistake, but it's become a pattern in your life, you know. Uh, 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 you, you, used to, you used to not do it, but now you do, and you're standing there and you're in the middle of it. And so, again, that donut analogy, you're no longer the person who's walking past the donuts. Now you're the guy who's at the counter there hoping they'll open it up, and you're waiting, and uh, you're uh, fighting off the hungry children, trying to get your donut uh, because uh, you, you can't do without it. And, and, and you look forward to it. It's the person who says that they struggle with, with anger, but they never really adjust their life, and so they get into the same argument argument over and over and over and over and over again with their spouse or their kid or their coworker. It's a person who struggles with lust, and they don't know why they struggle with lust, but their phone tells them every week that they're spending six hours on it, right? And it's not hard to know why we have the problem, but we have chosen to stand there, and it's dug deep into our heart. The third one there, uh, they sit. So now you're not just walking past. Now you're not just standing there. Now you've actually kind of joined in. You know, you're, you're actually sitting down, you're in the middle of it, and, and, and the mockers, you, you no longer just, so now you're not just, you walk past and grab the donut, or now you'd have to have a donut. Now you're laughing at anybody else who doesn't get a donut, right? Now you're making fun of them. If they don't do the same thing, you're, you're kind of teasing at them. They say, I'm, I'm on a diet. Oh, yeah, I'll really help on it. And you're kind of making fun of them about it. You, you, you're, you're, you're not just doing the wrong thing, but you've went all the way down. The, uh, alcohol works like this. I don't understand why that is. You can have a group of people that want to drink, and one guy says, well, I'm not going to drink. Fantastic pressure on the one dude who's not drinking. Whoever that is. I don't know why that is, but it is. One guy says, well, I don't think I'm going to drink. Oh, come on, just have one. No, I don't think I'm Oh, come on, it won't hurt a thing. No, I don't think I'm Oh, come on, come on, come on. And there's this weird pressure. And it's not just something that happens in high school or college your whole life. It's a weird thing. One person uh, uh, doesn't jump into the deal that everybody else is jumping in. And, and some people have a hard time letting that go. Oh, come on, be part of it. Come on, jump in, come on. And it's the mocking thing. And so, and so the guy writing this says, blessed if you don't do that. Blessed if you don't just, you know, walk in there and accidentally. Blessed if you don't stand there. Blessed if you don't sit down there. He says, he says on the other hand, uh, they delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it. They, they, they think about it. Well, what I talked about earlier with that idea that you don't see your own sin, they, 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 they find something that kind of hits them, and, and they think about it, and, and they try to meditate on it, and they, and they let God speak into their life, and they try to figure some stuff out. He says a person like that is like a tree uh, planted by streams of water, which uh, yields its fruit in season, and, and, and whose leaf does not wither. Everything he does prosper. Israel, where this was written, was more of a desert uh, climate. I, I, I lived in kind of a desert climate for several years, and, and uh, I know that whatever you're not watering isn't growing. 
You know, here you could be working on the lawnmower and, and forget to pick up a wrench and find that wrench months later as you're mowing. It shoots the wrench out to the side because the grass is going to grow there if you don't, doesn't matter if you water it or not. But, but, but out there, if you don't water it, it's not growing. And so you've planted a tree, right? You, you've planted it where it can get the water. You, you put it in a place where it's going to get fed all the time. And, and as it gets fed and, and, and it's drinking that water in, it's, it's going to come through. It's going to grow. It's going to get strong. Now, I was having a hard time thinking about some of this stuff this week, and I was talking to our youth minister, to Gabe Garcia, about this stuff. And he tossed out something, and I hadn't thought of it, and it's really, really, I thought it was really, really smart. And so I just, I just share it with you, what we were talking about. He says, he says, what's interesting is that idea in season. So this tree will go through winter, right? I mean, it's going to have a time when all the leaves are going to fall off, and it's going to look to all the world to be dead. But because it's planted there by the water, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And so it's not a guarantee that you're never going to go through a hard time. Because everybody goes through hard times. It's just, it's just but because you're planted by the water, because you're taking that in, you have this promise of resurrection on the other side. Isn't that smart? I had no idea he was that smart. How many of you knew ahead of time that he was? I had no idea. So I thought, well, that's, that's really good, right? And this notion that you can, as you're drinking in God's word, and as you're taking it in, as you're trying to, to, to apply it to your life, you're, you're looking for nuggets of wisdom there, that if you will commit to do it, that God's going to bring you through. And even if right now you're in the very worst part of life, uh, there's this promise that if you will start drinking in the water, your life will be blessed. And I just think that's something pretty powerful we can hang on to. Now, there's a way to read this whole section uh, that's wrong. Uh, remember, it talks about blessed is the one who doesn't go where the sinners go or do what the sinners do. You could read this and say, okay, great, I'll start reading, and then I won't be like one of those sinners, right? Well, Jesus speaks to this. He says in the New Testament, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick and I've not come to call the righteous, but call sinners. Jesus said, I, and he's, when he says this, this line behind me, he's talking again to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were, were looking down on some people. And Jesus said, I, I have no time to minister to you guys, you Pharisees, because you think you're righteous. But I have plenty of time for the ones who know they need help. And, the, and what we're supposed to pull out of a verse like this is that we're sinners, we all are, and, and that because we realize we're sinners, we hunger for a Savior, right? Okay, well, keeping that in mind, you go back to that verse right before. He says, that person's like a tree planted by streams of water. So I don't do it so I can be all righteous. That's not my intent. I'll never be totally righteous. That's never going to happen in this life. I do it because I'm a sinner, because I need Christ's grace, because I need him to come in and guard my heart, because I need him to come in and feed me. I on purpose put myself in his presence and, and I allow that to happen. And this is what mature Christians do and this is what I want to challenge you to do. Now there's only two ways in the world to learn anything. There's, a, there's a wisdom and consequences. That's the only two ways uh, to learn anything. Wisdom is like a sign at the top of the cliff saying don't get too close. Uh, consequences is like a sign at the bottom of the cliff saying the hospital is three miles that direction. Right? It doesn't do you any good then. You already, a couple of years ago at church camp, we had a, um, a kid who, uh, to impress some girls, I think, uh, headbutted a tree to show how tough he was. Now, I recommend, if you ever decide to headbutt a tree, start with something small. 
start with something that you can really get your hands around. But he didn't. He took a tree like this, and we had to put like five staples in his forehead and just really cut him open. And so while everybody else got to go to bed, I had to go to the hospital with this, with this kid, Dan Owsley and I, and this guy went to camp and to get his staples. And he's not saying a lot there in the back seat. Uh, he's embarrassed, I'm sure. And, uh, and uh, I asked him, what were, you know, what were you thinking here? How did we get in this position? Well, he tells me, and I, and I get the impression he's trying to show somebody how tough he is or what, what's going on there, how big a dude he is. And then he's real quiet, and he says, uh, as soon as I did it, I knew it was wrong. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, I bet that's how that worked out. Uh, t- See, as soon as he did it, a tree hard, head soft. As soon as he did it, he knew exactly what was going on. As soon as he did it, uh, he knew. That's how consequences work. You have, but you have to do it first. You've got to do it, and then you know. Now, now, the benefit of wisdom is that you don't have to do it. Well, what Danielle was talking about here, well, if, if, if you're a person who, who is nervous about doing what God wants them to do, you know, I'm nervous if I stand up and speak and what God's going to judge me, well, you can read about Moses, and you can learn from Moses how he got through that. Or if you're a person who's blown it real big, you know, you, you did something really stupid and now everybody knows this stupid thing you did and they're all kind of judging you. Well, David did that. And so you can, you can read about David and see how he did that and how he came through. Or, or maybe uh, you're, you're trying to do the best you can for God, but nobody cares and nobody's listening and it just feels like you're all by yourself. Jeremiah knew what that was like. Jesus knew what that was like. And, and when, you, when you read their stories, you don't have to hit your head against the tree. You, you can learn it with wisdom. You can pick up what they did, and because of what they did, you don't have to do the same things. You don't have to fall into those same holes. You can take the wisdom that they learned and earned the hard way without having to pay that cost yourself. Now, discipline costs something. It does. If you make a promise to be disciplined every day to read your scripture and to pray, it's going to cost you something. It for sure is. It just costs a lot less than regret. Regret costs more. Wayne Cordiero wrote a long article about this, and, and, uh, and he says that 85% of what you do during your day, 85% of what you do, anybody could do. If you died today, uh, work won't close. They won't just close the shop, because if you die today, school will go on. If you die today, uh, uh, they'll, they'll figure it out. E- even your family will figure it out. It'll be painful. It'll be hard, but they'll, they'll figure it out. 85% of what you do, anybody could do. 15% of what you do, uh, anybody could do if they had your training. There may be some things that are because of your expertise and your knowledge, you've learned a few things, and not anybody could do that. They'd have to learn how to do it, but they could learn. I mean, they could learn what you learned, and if they did get your training, they'd be fine. But there's about 5% of your life that only you can do. Only you can do about 5%. Only I can be uh, a husband to Julia. Only I can be a dad to my kids and a granddad to my grandkids, a son to my parents. Only I can do that. No one else can. No one else can jump into the role that I'm in there. Only I can can do that. And, and, And so I have to accept a certain amount of responsibility for those things that only I can do. And only I can develop discipline to become the kind of person that God has designed me to be. No one can learn it for me. No one can train for me. It has to be me. Um, if, 
Julia and I have had a conversation a couple times, never as serious as this, not quite as far along gone as this, but we've had conversations before where she'll come home and I'm sitting on the couch, I guess, looking miserable, and she'll say, what's wrong with you? And I'll say, I can't find anything to eat. Have you, some of you have had this conversation too, haven't you? You've, you've had this very conversation. So Julia will go in and she'll open the refrigerator and it's got all this food in it. She'll look in the cabinet and there's all this food. What are you talking about? There's all these different things to eat. And I'll mumble or stumble around. But what I'm really hoping for is that she'll cook me something, <laughs> right? That I can sit in the living room and eat it and she'll bring it to me. That's what I'm really hoping will happen. And sometimes it does, but it doesn't always. And her frustration, especially if she came home one day and I was just starving, you know, on the floor groaning, bags under my eyes. I can't find anything to eat. Uh, she's not going to have any sympathy for that. She won't. You know, go get it. And it's not work to tell somebody that. When the food's there, go eat it. I mean, go, go figure it out. I mean, that's not, that's not work. That's just being smart. If you're a drowning person and the lifeguard says, hold on to me, that's not work for you to hold on to them. I mean, that's just, that's just smart. And, um, and this notion of you feeding yourself, you taking God's word in, this verse behind me that I've left up on purpose, that you could be that tree planted by the water, Right? That you could be that, and you're bearing fruit in season, that, that, that God is going to come through and you see it in your life. You can do that. And, and not just can do that, should do that. That's the life you're supposed to have. So what I want to challenge you to do here, and this is the rest of my, my thought today, is to make a commitment for the next three weeks. Easter is in three weeks I want you to make a commitment as an Easter gift that you're going to give to God. But hopefully, as I've been explaining, I think it'll be a gift to yourself as well if you stick with it, is to, to every day read and pray. And I'm going to be clear about what I mean by that, but every day read and pray. And if you commit to do it today, then I want you to go home today and get started. Don't wait till tomorrow to get started. Just start today, even if it's just a little bit. Now, we're talking about three weeks Normally, if somebody says, what should I read? I tell them to start with the book of Mark. It's a story about Jesus, and it's really short. But Mark only has 13 chapters, and Luke has 24 chapters. So I'm going to tell you, start with Luke. Luke is our goal, the gospel of Luke. If you, if you, now, if you're already reading something, Scripture, stick with what you're doing. If you're already doing something, great, hang in there, do that. But if you're not doing anything or not doing it consistently, gospel of Luke has 24 chapters. So for the next 24 days, I want you to every day read one chapter of Scripture. Now, before you read, before you read, you need to pray. And the, and the praying has to be something where you're asking God for wisdom. Now, don't overthink this thing. Don't make it, uh, uh, I remember being once at a big family kind of thing, and somebody asked one of the uncles to pray, oh, won't you say grace, and he, had, he didn't do that. There's actually a Christmas vacation joke on this same deal where they ask uh, 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 whatever names, Aunt uh, uh, what's her name? Bethany. Bethany. Aunt Bethany, sorry. Anyway, it's, it's the same kind of idea, but they asked, they, and I was at this, but this actually happened to me. I'm at the deal, and, and they ask Uncle somebody to pray, and so he, he doesn't do that, but now they're all looking at him, and so he prays, and at the end of it, he says, uh, and thank you, God, goodbye, and that was the end of it. You don't have to say amen. You don't have to say these or thys or thous. You don't have to say, uh, uh, it, it, it just seems to sound like you. And don't go on and on. Jesus, Jesus actually even talks about that. He said in Matthew 6, says, don't babble like the pagans. 
You think they'll be heard because there are many words. Your father already knows what you need for you ask him. So, 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 so don't think you've got to impress God with how long you can go here. It's not the goal. The, the goal is for you to be honest. And so, so before you start reading, you pray to God. You ask this one thing. God, show me something here today. God, God, take what you have here and help me see something. Help me learn something. Help me grow here today. Any of that kind of stuff. But you got to do it. The next 24 days, I want you to commit to this. And you ask God, show me something here, God, in this thing. And then you read one chapter. And what you're hoping for, what you're prayed for, and what you're looking for is, is one verse, one thought, one uh, paragraph maybe, but one thing in there that kind of hits you. Maybe it's something you never thought of before. You know, you've read it and you never saw that. Now, now that's kind of interesting. Or maybe it's something that actually is speaking to something that's in your life right now, something that you're going through. Or maybe it's just something that you think is kind of deep. That's, that's kind of, that's, 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 that's heavy stuff there. And it, and it hits you as you're reading it. Okay, so, that's, so step one, you're praying about it. Step two, you, you read, read one chapter. And, and as you find that verse, whatever that verse is, I want you to take a pen or a pencil and, and just underline it there in your Bible. Maybe put a star beside it out on the outside edge there so you'll, you'll know where to find it when you're done reading your chapter. And then, and then take that verse, and you, maybe you've got a couple verses, maybe, and that's cool if you did. Maybe there's two or three verses that kind of hit you when you was reading through. Pick one of those verses that you did. If you only have one, it'll be easy to pick. But you pick one of those verses, and then on a piece of paper there, a little notebook, write that down, whatever that verse is. If you'd rather type it out, I guess you can do that, but there's something powerful about writing. And just write that verse down, whatever it is, and write down what you think God is telling you about it. That's all I want you to do. Now, it's 24 days. 24 days. For 24 days, you just make a commitment to look for whatever little nuggets of wisdom God has there. At the end of the month, you'll have 24 nuggets. None of those nuggets may be as valuable to you as don't headbutt the tree, right? None of those may be that kind of valuable to you, but they'll all be valuable. And you won't have had to go through any real pain to get them. They'll just be given to you, and you'll be like this tree planted by the water. This might have been my verse. If I, if I had read Psalm 1 today, this probably would have been my verse. This is Psalm uh, chapter 1. This is verse 3. This probably would have been my verse. And I would have written this verse down in my notebook there. I would have wrote that down, and I would have, I, I would have thought about this idea of being in season. That even if I had to go through the winter, I know if I keep drinking in the water, God's going to bring me back. Because God always does that. And, and, and it won't guarantee that I won't ever go through a hard season because we all go through hard seasons. But if I continue to drink the water, he's going to bring me back. I will say with great consistency, if someone comes to me and they say, I'm, I'm just really flat right now. I just feel real dry. I feel like God's not saying anything to me. Uh, my faith doesn't make much sense. It just feels like I'm going through the motions, any of that kind of stuff. And they come and tell me that stuff. And I ask them, well, are you reading and praying every day? The answer is always no. They're not drinking in the water, but they can't figure out why they're so dry. And it's not that hard. And you'd be surprised how many Christians fall into that particular hole. It's a very easy hole to fall into. And what I want to challenge you on is for the next 24 days, you don't fall into it. Now, it is possible that you'll miss a day or two. You'll miss a day or two. That's why I want you to start today, but you could even miss today. You know, I said to start today, but right after church, you go out to eat with somebody, and then the family comes over, and then you have to change somebody's oil or fix something, and next thing you know, the whole day is gone, and you forgot all about it. Now tomorrow's there. Start tomorrow then. 
And, or if you get started two or three days and then you miss a day or two because something happens, well, then just keep going. Don't, get, don't beat yourself up because you missed a day or two. You know, sometimes I, I get so, I have that ADHD, I get so, uh, so fired up and, and, you know, I'm working hard on stuff and I, and, I, and I forget to eat breakfast and lunch. But you know what I don't do at supper? Well, it's too late now. <laughs> it's too late now. I already missed breakfast and lunch. I just got to not eat at all, I guess. I mean, I would never do that. Wouldn't even think about doing that. I would immediately want to go ahead and eat. As soon as I remembered, I would eat then. That's what you have to do. So if you miss a day or two, that happens. We're human. We're just dust and ashes. You're made of meat. Don't beat yourself up about that sort of thing. Whenever that happens, you just you, you start the next day. And the same steps, you pray about it. Ask God to tell you something. Uh, read one chapter. Mark out one or two verses that really kind of hit you. Pick one of those verses. Write it down. And, uh, and, and write down what you learned from that. And, and it may not be deep. Don't beat yourself up for deep. Uh, uh, sometimes a person can go to the gym and see somebody across the gym who's completely ripped and, you know, 100% in shape and say, well, I feel stupid even being in the same building with this guy, and they don't go back. You're not comparing to anybody but yourself. Sometimes you can go into a Bible study class or a Sunday school class or a small group, and it seems like one of the dudes in the circle knows all the answers to everything, and you don't have any of the answers. But, well, let's just praise God that they're good at their thing, and you be good at yours, but, but you're not comparing to them. And they can't feed you. They can only feed themselves, and you can only feed yourself. It's the, it's the one thing you can't rely on anybody else for, so, so you just take it in. And if your little nugget of wisdom isn't a pretty paragraph, you're not showing this to anybody anyway. It's just for you. Now, you may at the end of the month say, well, I don't like the journaling part. Or you may at the end of the month say, well, I don't want to just read one chapter of Luke. I want to read three or four. Or I don't want to read a whole chapter. Or you may at the end of the month have a whole different plan, and that's okay. But for the next three weeks, I want you to try this. And, and, and my motivation tell you to try it, I, I think you'll feel better about your faith at the end of three weeks, if you really take this serious. You carve out just a small part of your day. You know, for most people, the morning is the best. Not for everybody, but for most people. And when I say most, like 80, 90% of people, the morning is the best time. Because for most of us, once the day starts rolling, then it's rolling. And it's too late to kind of get yourself a place to think. And, and, but whatever, everybody's different. You know, if, if, if you're a person who doesn't even think clearly till about 11, then, then no, don't do it first thing in the morning. You'd want to do it some other time. Uh, maybe, maybe you do it over your lunch break, or you do it, you know, first thing when I get home, I'm going to take just a minute to do this. Or, and I guess you could even do it last thing before you go to sleep. It's, it's, it's not really important when you do it. It's just important that you clear out a block of time. It's a consistent block of time, and, and that you won't be interrupted. Um, if you're in a house that is just chaos from the time that people get up until they go to bed at night, then you're going to have to get up a little early for one month or stay up a little late, I guess, for one month. Uh, but try this thing. And I, 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 this verse says you'll be blessed. And I really do believe that. And that's a little nugget of wisdom that I just gave you today. And you didn't have to learn it the hard way. You just were given that little nugget of wisdom. And you can do with it whatever you want. But I think it works. And I've seen it work, and I've seen it work over and over and over and over again. If you want to become the kind of person God wants you to be, you have to put your roots deep into him. And that can only be done a little bit at a time every day. One last thing, like any other sort of learning that you do in your life, the Nike swoosh, picture that in your head, the little swoosh there, the little check mark, picture that in your head. 
Every, any learning that you do, that swoosh is the trick. If you decide to start exercising and really get in shape, it's going to hurt first. And then it'll get better. If you decide to learn a new language, I'm going to take up the sousaphone. It'll hurt first. You'll feel stupid first, and then it'll get better. If you decide to go talk to somebody who you've never talked to but you need to talk to, it'll be embarrassing first, and then always worse first. And, and, and weak-minded people, during that worst first part, they quit. But you're not weak-minded. So know it'll hurt first, and you hang in there. The first three days are the hardest. One chapter, pray every day, read through God's word, ask him to teach you something. If you're not doing anything, you may feel a little stupid as you're starting. That's just the devil. You ignore that. Worse first, then it'll get better. 21 days. I'm hoping you'll do it. It's not a work thing. It's just a thing we're all going to try to do to draw closer to God. And I'm challenging you to be part of that too. If the band will come back up, I wanted to... How many of you have been watching the March Madness? Yeah? How many St. Peter's fans do we have? In the, uh, all right. Um, if you're a basketball fan, and really any sport, it's not just basketball, but basketball is an easy illustration for this. Um, uh, if you watch a team play, every once in a while, your favorite team will have somebody on the team who is fantastically talented. Man, they're gifted. But, they, but they, it just never seems to work out. And you'll start hearing this whisper about that player. They're uncoachable. They're uncoachable. Sometimes a professional player will go through three or four coaches. Every couple of years, they'll fire the coach because that star player can't get along with them. And they'll just keep rotating through the coaches. But the player never seems to get any better. He's uncoachable or she's uncoachable. You, uh, uh, the, the, it'll, if they're talented, and now if they're not very talented, if they're moderately talented, they'll be on the bench. Coach won't put up with it. But some players are so fantastically gifted, the coach will have to put them out there. They're just so fantastically talented, they have to be out there. But they're uncoachable. They won't learn. And it's so frustrating to watch one of those guys who has, who has all the gifts, all the talent. I mean, I mean just, just a few little tweaks to their game, they'd be an all-star, but they won't, they won't do it for whatever reason. And now, on the team, you have one guy who's like that. He's uncoachable. Who's the only guy on the team who doesn't know who the uncoachable player is? It's that uncoachable player. They have no idea who that person is. If you were to ask them who it was, they, they, might, they, they might say, I bet you don't say it was me. But they don't believe it. They don't think that's true. What, what they think is the coach is an idiot. And all these morons I have to play with are holding me back. If they could just give me more room to shine, we would solve this problem. They have no idea that they're the problem. But that's how, that's how sin works. You're, you're always blind to your own, your own stuff. And so, and so don't be that guy. All the talent in the world, you're just uncoachable. You don't need any help. You've got everything figured out. Don't be that guy. And over the next few weeks, I just want to challenge you to, to dig deep into God's word and just see what kind of a difference it makes in your life. Stand up. Let me pray with you. Dear Lord God, I thank you for a chance to come here together. And I do thank you, God, for this group, and I pray for them. And I ask you, God, today, if there's anybody here who needs to draw close to you, who needs to know you better, who needs, Father, to have some sense that you're watching. I, I pray, God, that you inspire them today to take advantage of your word, to take advantage of prayer, to, to, to offer themselves to you. And if there's anybody here, God, who's at the end of their rope, 
And, and it just feels like, oh, great, now one more thing I have to learn to do. Help them, God, to realize they just got to reach out and grab hold. And you'll do most of the work. That's how your spirit works. You're going to do most of the lifting. We just have to hold on. And I pray, God, you encourage this group to take a chance on you. If there's anybody who needs that. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.